Yeah, but also because they're both complex characters. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. Jack is maybe slightly less complex <laughs> than Locke, but yeah. <laughs> it's a little simple, we get it. Hello and welcome to our Locke podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like reading anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And this episode, we have two guests. Woohoo! Alice and Angela! Hello. I was about to be like the old double A, and then I was like, that's "That's not good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we've had Angela on before in our 215 podcast about maternity leave, Mm -hmm. Um, but... If and Alice is brand new, hey. So this is all exciting. Yahoo. So Angela, if people don't remember, can you remind us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. And I've just realized that we recorded the the other podcast a year ago, so things changed in the meantime. <sighs> it's been that long. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my name is Andrea Diterlizzi. I'm a 26 year old consultant in European Union affairs. I'm Italian, but I live in Brussels. And I'm a Ravenclaw. And also, I like irony and spotting theater actors in TV shows. And that hasn't changed. <laughs> yes, since the last time, yeah. So who are some of your favorite characters? Um, my favorite character is, uh, hands down, Ben. And I also have a bunch of characters that I really like, but I, they, they always change. Every time I think about them, they change. But let's say that today, maybe Juliet, Richard, Said, uh, Desmond, and Farday. So taste. That's a good list. Nothing so, but taste. And I know you. this is a big question, but what does lost mean to you? So lost um, was a very important part of my academic life because, as I also said last time, I started listening to your lost podcast before I watched the show because I was writing my thesis. This was three years ago. And uh, then I was like, oh, okay, I enjoy the podcast, but I'm not understanding anything about it. So I'll start watching the show and I really enjoyed the show and it helped me through finishing my thesis and then starting to do something else and it was very very enjoyable and the type of thing that you watch with by paying a lot of attention to it so it was good to disconnect from what I was normally doing and then really focusing on the show uh so yeah I love that that's such a good answer um and where can we find you on social media and you can find me at IRL writers block on twitter Perfect. And that'll be in the description if you're looking for it. Thank you. Um, so our second guest is Alice. Hi. Who are you? I, well, that's a question. Um, hi, I'm Alice. <laughs> I am a 27-year-old library assistant from, uh, I was going to say Texas just to mess with people, but I think it's going to be pretty obvious, um, <laughs> from England. Um, I am a Ravenclaw. I like books, baking, Babylon 5, and morally ambiguous middle-aged women in positions of political power. Um, let's see. That's... This is nothing but, t- this is just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but the D. Um, there's yeah. not much else. I think that's it. That's all I practiced in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so who are some of your favorite characters? I think I know a couple because you're doing a Lost rewatch on Twitter right now and it's it's just lovely. I am, yeah. Um, my favorite characters are kind of the same, actually, from when I first watched Lost, um, which is basically Charlie and Hurley and Saeed, like right from the start. And then Desmond, as soon as mm-hmm. he turns up, is immediately a favorite. But my absolute favorite character altogether is Danielle Rousseau. I love that. 
It's such an unexpected choice, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's every time there's a middle-aged woman on my screen, I'm like, no, I will gravitate to that one, and she is my favourite, yeah. <laughs> regardless of how much screen time. <laughs> yes. She's amazing. And what does last mean to you? Um, well, I actually, kind of unusually, I think, for people on your podcast, I watched Lost when it first aired, when it came out in the UK. I think it was mm-hmm. season one came out a year later here than it did in the US. So there was already a huge amount of hype. Like everyone had seen the trailers um, right. and everyone was like, this is the best show. Everyone was really excited about it. So I watched it. I think I was like 12. I remember watching it on my sofa with my mum and my sister. I was maybe a little too young to be watching it. Um, but I have a really right. strong memory of watching the finale when the hatch like the light turns on in the hatch and then Mm -hmm. it just ends and the three of us on the sofa just freaking out completely (laughs) which is my enduring memory of lost um and i actually it moved channels after season two it's like my little lost story because it moved to a cable channel which we didn't have because we were poor and we didn't have cable tv so i actually had to get my friend at school to record every episode on a vhs tape and bring it in the next day to school so they could then watch it and talk about it afterwards which is in retrospect the most early 2000s experience of watching a tv show imaginable like not even like a burned dvd yeah. No, no, like VHS tape where she's like handwritten on the side, like lost episodes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I still have one yeah, somewhere, but I don't have a VHS player anymore. It's beautiful because I remember people when they were watching all, watching it on TV and they were waiting week by week for, for the episode to appear. Yeah, to find out what would happen. I remember that. It was, it was kind of pre really being on the internet like it was still maybe dial-up times I'm not really sure so there wasn't there was a lot of theorizing but only like a very local sense like we didn't get a lot of spoilers from the US over here so no one had any idea what was going to happen except for the beginning of season two where like that leaked a couple of days beforehand we all knew that there was like a guy down in the hatch like doing exercise and listening to music and we were all like nah that's not what it is (laughs) (laughs) and then we watched it and it it was (laughs) yeah that can't be right (laughs) It's like crazy to think about how like back then they would do like huge cliffhangers before the end of a season where you'd have to wait like months upon months because like now it's like everything kind of needs to be like wrapped up in a bow before they put you on hiatus. At least that's yeah. what and and now like since TV has kind of been slowed to a halt at this point if you're listening to this in the future. It's mid 2020. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what's happening right now. Everything is slowed to a halt. Yeah, we're in hell. We're in hell. But uh, the Riverdale season ended three episodes before it was supposed to. And now I feel like I'm stuck back in like 2005 because because I've got like, I'm in the middle of a, I'm in the middle of a storyline here. And I just, I can't, and they won't finish the season. They can't. Yeah. It's crazy how, how they were, how they used to just do that. Yep. Yeah. And now I'm like not used to it. Well, because now they can't do it in case they get cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone was watching Lost at the time, though. Like, I, I cannot overemphasize the fact to which there was not much TV on. So just as soon as anything good came out, everyone was watching it all the time. Right. So I feel like that was always yep. going to be... That was not going to get cancelled between seasons. They were making more of that. Yep. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, they wanted to make more even after season six, and Damon and Carlton were like, we're done. Thanks, though. Yeah, I wish it was a good choice. Oh, I wish people would do that now. Why don't people yeah. just end things? Yeah. What season is Supernatural on now? Oh, God. I think they just finished with, like, 12 or something. Jesus Christ. Let it die. Some Supernatural fan's gonna yell at us. One second. I gotta do that. (laughs) So, 15. Oh, my God! I think I watched, like, two episodes of Supernatural, and I was like, this is too scary for me. Oh, my God. (laughs) I did, yeah. Someone got a hand caught in, like, one of those sink things that Americans have that terrify me, and I was like, nope, I'm out. I don't want to, nope. 
Yeah. It's like garbage disposals you have. I've never watched one episode, but the fact that it's 15 seasons, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to, to get involved in this and then having to watch 200 episodes. It's 200 episodes of dudes. I know. Like, I, I keep thinking, like, I'm, <laughs> it's like my job to get other people to watch Lost <laughs> and I'm pretty good at it. Yep. But part of it is like, there's, there's six seasons. There's about 120, 123-ish episodes. And like, that's not that much. But if you're trying to get people to watch Supernatural, I'm not even going to bother. Like, that's so long. That's so much time. <laughs> I, I can't I be doing that. No, I can't be doing that. It's too much of a commitment. Yeah. No, yeah. so I guess when you have nothing else to do in quarantine, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, even then, so. we're just rewatching Lost, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Today we have words to say about season two of Lost. Okay, it. we're just talking about season two. Round table, round table. So basically, I have kind of cut this up into three sections. The third section being our spoiler section. So if you're watching along with us, stay out of there. <laughs> stay out of there. Get out of there. You can stay for the first two. So the first section is going to be about new things, new storylines of characters that we already know and love from season one. And then the second section is new things that we got in season two and how we feel about that. But nothing about anything going forward because that's going to go in the spoiler section. Um, so the first topic that I wanted to talk about was Charlie. Uh, I think we can all agree and we've talked about it a lot this season on the podcast that this is Charlie's worst season. Oh, Charlie. Um, I don't know why they did this. Um, Alice, you called Charlie one of your favorite characters. Do you want to comment? Yeah, I felt really bad. I mean, it's it's a little better um, without spoiling it. Now I'm kind of like on past season two. Um, and I think you've said he does right. get better again. But I really forgot how bad mm. he is all this season. I hadn't rewatched in a while. I figured it was just like the one episode where he's kind of, he gets a weird storyline and tries to drown a baby, but that's like a blip, you know? Um, and yep. it's, it's not, he's <laughs> yeah. just kind of... <laughs> I mean, it's a big blip, but yeah, I, I like characters who try to kill babies occasionally. Um, <laughs> but it's it's all season. He's just kind of... What? That's literally Bill Adama. <laughs> I was thinking of Roslyn, but you know, yeah. Um, oh my god, they both did it! <laughs> they would get, she would get on well with Charlie, <laughs> just like toss that baby. Um, but no, he's just unbearable to almost... Even before then, like every like little interaction he has, it's almost like the writers were kind of mad that people liked him even though they wrote him to be likable and they were like, no, we're going to, we're going to kind of really yeah. tone this guy down and make him really unlikable for no reason. Just like unbearable in every interaction he has with people. It's so mean because he's such a, he's a good character in every other season except for this one. It's, it kind of feels like we're being punished for enjoying the comedic relief. Yeah. And it's like, um, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. It's like, you can give him depth without making him a wanker. They're like, it has to be Hurley. Yeah. Can I say wanker on this? <laughs> you don't that out. Yes. <laughs> No. Is that a bad word? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It depends, but you you know what's fine. No, it okay. isn't. <laughs> I was like, listen okay. to Alice blatantly lie. For the purpose of the podcast, it's okay. Okay, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think they, they really didn't know what to do with him at some point. And so they were thinking, okay, let's create some conflict. But it wasn't really necessary for him to have any weird change of mind or start acting in a different way that, that he had been before. Or like weirdly territorial about Claire. Yeah. I mean, it's something very, very not like lost to not know what to do with the character. And uh, we'll talk about this with Michael, I guess, but. Um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I assume that it's at least my assumption when I was watching is that okay, they have all these new characters and they kind of don't know what to do with the old ones sometimes. Right. So yeah, that's that was my impression with Charlie. But 
Uh, yeah, and that, that's the thing also, when you don't know what to do with character, you think, oh, okay, let's create some conflict there. But then there were no basis to create conflict because, as you were saying, the relationships he had were with Hurley and Claire, who are the least... <laughs> <laughs> like the nicest people. The least problematic, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The least problematic people on that island. So what do you yeah. do with it? I think that the writers had said that they felt like Charlie and Claire were like too picturesque. And so they wanted to throw a wrench in Charlie and Claire. But like the show has never had a problem with like giving us little nuggets of joy in like all of the drama. So I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why that choice was made. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense in my opinion also because season two is not a very happy season. Yeah. So <laughs> why not give us the cute couple with the baby and that's it. Right. Exactly. Like give us like those little, I think the show hadn't figured out that's what it wanted to do yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about this when we talk about like all of our new characters and everything, but Lost is so good at bringing in new characters every season that feel so like fleshed out and like perfect for the new season and they never feel like clunky. I mean, if you yeah. want to argue with me about Nikki and Paolo, you can, but I will <laughs> take it. <laughs> um, but like, that's why it's so weird that like, they take the characters they already know and they're like, um, yeah. And then something happens with them also. I mean, I really liked Charlie's storyline with, um, with Mr. Echo, because that's the kind of, it was a good example of like mm -hmm. a new character coming in and they create this kind of relationship and they have this whole little storyline yeah. about building the church. And that was really interesting, but kind of didn't really go anywhere. But there was, there was right. something there that they could have done to create conflict or a new relationship without just making him be really mad at all the other people he used to hang out with. It kind of never really took off the ground somehow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were clearly trying to, to find a relationship with somebody, some of the new characters also, because with the, with the old ones, they had already tried more or less all the uh, possible relationships and it was clear that Charlie was with Hurley and Claire and not all of the time he would uh, not very often he would go around and uh, have scenes with other characters and I think mm -hmm. it's it's not in this season that Charlie has the best relationships with the newer characters without saying anything yeah. else um, mm -hmm. yeah but yeah and it, to me it's clearly well after watching the whole series it's clearly because in this context they did they didn't know precisely what to do with him and the new characters there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I really do feel like they totally find their way at some point, though. Like, yeah. next yeah. season? Yeah, next season's much... It was like a sigh of relief getting to it. Exactly. And be like, oh no, Charlie's actually back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. That must have been frustrating for Dom. Totally. And speaking... Oh, what a great segue. Speaking of an actor who was frustrated with what happened to his character, <laughs> let's talk about Michael. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oof. Oh, well... <laughs> Can we really blame him? I, I definitely can't. I feel like there was a lot of things that they could have changed about Michael. We talked on our podcast, our last podcast with Joe about the finale, and we talked about how potentially Michael could have stayed as long as, you know, the others were able to, like, promise him and prove to him that Walt could go home and Walt could be safe because mm -hmm. the main reason why they had to get rid of him was because Malcolm David Kelly was growing too quickly. Um, which is like what you get when you have a child star. And I, I mean, in season one, Walt added so much to the first season. I truly believe he was worth having. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But um, that's why I, I just feel like they could have sent Walt off, proved that he was good, he was okay, 
And then we could have kept Michael with, you know, a brand new perspective on life, not having to be so encircled with Walt. With Walt. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Cause like in the first season, his identity was very much like separate from being a dad and mm-hmm. he was learning how to be a dad. Yes. And then in season two, his entire identity was I'm a dad. And I was like, well, but he's more complex than that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like I'm I'm not even sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even sure if it's because they didn't feel like they had enough space to uh, let his I think you were talking in a previous podcast about his friendship with Jin. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have the impression that maybe the uh, the writers thought they didn't have enough space to let that really sink in and spend enough time on that. And so they were like, okay, let's let's focus on a main thing for Michael, which was his relationship mm-hmm. with Walt. But then that forced them to take a choice at some point, which was not for the best. And I don't know, it's um I'm I'm very sorry about Michael about the story of Michael in any way in the way it progresses because I, for instance I like uh, some parts of his episode in, in season two but I don't like the way season two ends for him um, yeah, and yeah. how they decided to wrap all of this up and just act as if all of this yes happened because in a way we had to get rid of some characters but not because there was something behind it. right if we want to add characters we have to get rid of characters yes yeah exactly Mm. which i will never understand as a tv habit like sacrificing your established characters for new characters Mm -hmm. is so odd to me yeah yeah i i like your point angela because um the uh 202 it's called adrift and it's such a strong episode for michael michael starts the season with this huge like thing on top of his back he gets to meet the tailies and he's you know he's there he's in the thick of it and then once he leaves to go find Walt, when he comes back, he is not the same. No. Yeah. And it's too bad. I feel like, like I said, I think they could have taken him another direction yeah. and he could have been a more satisfying character. Yeah. And I mean, the actor is so good that you believe every part of what he's doing. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I yeah. never once was thinking, oh, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense because he's so believable. So you think, okay, I, I can really believe that this person changed this much because of this reason but it's just because the actor is good and the dialogue in a way and the the way each episode is built is built in a good way but the overall plot the overarching plot is a bit more difficult to really get into Mm -hmm. I think I realized this time when I was watching it kind of what wasn't working for me about Michael in season two and it's the fact that yeah as you said he's got this really good he's got this little friendship with Jin that kind of comes up a couple of times especially when they're on the raft but everyone else I'm like when I think of Charlie we were just talking about he's got like the relationship with Hurley and with Claire and he's got kind of a thing where he was almost like he was really in with Locke and then with Mr Echo and when I think of Michael Mm -hmm. it's like it's just Walt like he's really just focused on Walt right he doesn't have a lot of relationships with the other characters that feel really strong or meaningful to me so when Mm -hmm. you get his big betrayal moment it's like I feel bad for him for having to do that and because it's an objectively terrible thing, but I don't really get the kind of betrayal. Like if Hurley had walked in there and shot two people dead, I would have been absolutely like, oh my God, <laughs> this is yes. this is like, a, I mean, it was shocking, but 
when it comes to Michael, I feel like, especially since he shot two people who he didn't really know that well. Again, like if it had been yeah. if it had been Bernard who had shot Anna Lucia and Libby, that would have been a really like horrible thing because he had that whole mm-hmm. bond with them yeah. for being part of the tail crew. But with Michael, I'm just like, well, this is a shocking thing that happened, but I don't really know what it means to his character other than like well, he had to shoot people and that sucks but they really get that betrayal like curly really acts that scene well where they find out what happens and he's like you know you shot my girlfriend basically and like it's really well acted but i didn't feel like curly and michael ever really were that close so it just kind of feels like i mean any stranger could have walked out of the forest and shot libby and he would have had i feel the same reaction to them and i I don't know i feel like that's Mm a right it still would have felt like a betrayal yeah it's a it's like an effect of having him so focused on walt for so much of the show that he didn't really get to develop the relationships with the other characters like when he leaves at the end with walt they're all kind of mad but i don't feel like anyone's going to be really like really devastated at the fact that he's gone or really be affected by the fact that these two characters are no longer on the island Exactly. Right. They're not going to be like, oh, I really miss Michael. Yeah, like he was a really integral part of the group. You know, he did all this stuff. And he did. Like right. he, he built the raft. Like that was a really important yeah. plot point. But Exactly. Like there there were things that made you think at the beginning when during season one, where was, when you were thinking, oh, okay, Michael is going to be a big part of it because he's the type of person that can be entrusted with building a raft. And I mean, he has... Uh, he's not just Walt's dad, he's somebody that everybody else is trusting to bring them to safety mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, he's got so, skills they can use. Yeah, exactly. If it wasn't for Michael in uh, in 107, in the moth, like, Jack could have died in that cave-in. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and they sort of forget about the skills he has. <laughs> Michael was really important. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah. do you guys want to move on from Michael? Uh, sure, yeah. Maybe we can yeah. talk a little bit more about him and Charlie in the spoiler section and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, the next one that I have is Locke. Oh, my How boy. would you guys say Locke is different from season one to season two? Okay, so this is not just my theory for season one and season two, but in general about Locke is the fact that I think that he's an amazing character on his own and on his own merit. Mm-hmm. But the show that it, does it what what the show does really well is that they pair him with somebody else that can make something come out come out of him in a way. So there's in season one you mostly had Locke and Jack and that was the main thing. And then in season two you start seeing Locke in a different way because you can see him opposed to uh, well, Henry Gale, and then Echo. So you have yes. all these new facets of the character that come out and um, really make you understand the depth of uh, his issues, but also why he's a man of faith and what doesn't work of his being a man of, wa- a man of faith when you see it uh, with Echo, in, in opposition to Echo. I don't know, I think it's what, what he did really well in season two was trying to pair him with somebody that was different from Jack. Because in yeah. season one, yeah, it was really just Locke is the guy who believes and Jack is the practical guy. But in season mm-hmm. two, you start seeing, well, somebody that uh, challenges him as a leader, which is who is uh, Henry. And then you have uh, Echo that challenges his being a believer. And yeah, so I really enjoyed overall. <laughs> His stuff with Mr. Echo is very good. I totally agree. I would say Mr. Echo. I don't mm. know why. For some reason, that really got stuck in my head from watching it the first time. I think everyone called him yeah. Mr. Echo, and I just can't say Echo without the Mr. in front of. Um, right, exactly. 
that's just who he is to me. But um, yeah, the stuff with Mr. Echo I really liked because it's very much like Mr. Jack's always been a kind of a more sensible version of Locke, as in like the the contrast between them as kind of the the man of faith and the man of science. Um, and then you get Echo comes along and he's very much the man of faith like Locke, but he's doing everything in still somehow a much more sensible and reasonable way, I feel, which just makes Locke mm-hmm. look much more, <laughs> much less with it by comparison. Yeah. And for like season one, I always, Locke's kind of this mysterious figure, but he's always very much, I feel like he was on top of things a lot more. Um, and in mm-hmm. season two, he feels very much like he's he's losing it. He's losing his place in the group a little more and he's reaching for it a lot more like his obsession with the button and pressing it and not pressing it and you get this impression that he's just kind of making it up as he goes along much more than he maybe was all all the time but now you kind of see it because you get these other characters coming in and calling him out and what he's doing more yeah i i like how like the show starts in season one with like the main opposition obviously being like you know the monster and stuff but like jack versus Locke. Because when I think of the main characters of Lost, I think Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Saeed, maybe Charlie, you know, like Locke's, Locke's always kind of an afterthought for me. But I think that like, when you re- when it really boils down to it, the two main, main characters of Lost are Jack and Locke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And so I like how it starts there. And it grows because from here, they know that their two main characters, their two big opposition is Jack versus Locke. Yeah. But they need to move them both out separately because every season can't be Jack versus Locke. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah, but also because they're both complex characters. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. Jack is maybe slightly less complex <laughs> than Locke, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's a little simple, we get it. But still, you need to... You need for Jack to find conflict somewhere else and for Locke to find <laughs> conflict somewhere else so that you understand their complexity because otherwise they would really look... It, it would look like Jack only has one side, which is his scientific side, and Locke only has his faith side. And yeah. they are all, and that is the only way they can fit on the island. And then you start realizing that when they meet somebody else, the way they act and they react to things is way different because then Locke becomes the more reasonable or the less reasonable, and Jack is maybe. Um, off-put a bit by by what other characters do to him so yeah you need to, I, I do think that the whole show is about the the, con, uh, the opposition in a way between Jack and Locke but you do need mm-hmm. both of them to be on their own a bit to really understand that I, yeah I agree I like that you can see pieces of Man of Faith Jack even this yes. season because I would say Jack's main opposition is I mean I also I think that he's also very against Locke. You know we see that in two o three when we get the iconic. Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it? So why easy? do you find it so easy? <laughs> um, but I also think one of his main oppositions is just like the others as a concept, mm-hmm. and we really see Man of Faith Jack in that. You know every time he goes to see the others, he just goes like I. He, he never says I have faith, but like what he really is saying is that I have faith that they will be there and they will be the places that I expect them to be. Yes. With like no factual basis. Whatsoever. Yeah, no factual basis. He thinks there's some supernatural being. Drives me crazy about Jack. This is why I cannot stand, I'm sorry, I cannot stand Jack. <laughs> He's really annoyed me more and more. That's totally fair That's because totally fair. Jack drives me crazy. <laughs> like put me down on team anti-Jack, I guess. Um, not so much in season one, but just I feel as so much of it is him 
having exactly the same, like, absolutely opinion-based <laughs> actions as Locke <Yeah>. does. <laughs> but, like, mm. constantly doing that just white man thing of, like, my opinions are fact, and I'm the person who should be in charge <laughs> because I say so. And Locke does exactly the same thing, yeah. but I think, like, the show and the other characters call him out on it a lot more. And I feel like, the, I right. don't know, just the narrative calls yeah. him out on it a lot more. And it's like, he's he's making it up as he goes along. He's working off faith. He's got all these preconceptions about how things should be. And Jack is doing the exact same thing. And he's always, everyone's just like, oh, gee, you should be our leader, Jack, for reasons, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Even yeah. though he's just as irrational. Like, he gets caught in this power struggle with Locke over the hatch. And it's kind of, everyone ends up framing it as like, Locke's the rebel who... It's kind of going against Jack, who's the leader. It's like, why? Why is he in charge? Why is his opinion any more valid? A lot of people go against Jack, but like secretly, you know, like Jack's the only one who does it like outwardly. He always ends up in charge again. Like they never manage to oust him. No one ever successfully pulls up an anti-Jack coup. (laughs) They really should have by this point. Sometimes the smartest things, sometimes the smartest thing that a character can do is just go against the backs of both Jack and Locke. One of my favorite moments this season is when Anna Lucia asks Saeed to come with her to like find the balloon and Saeed's like, have you asked Jack and Locke? And Anna Lucia says, Locke and Jack, or Jack and Locke are too busy worrying about Locke and Jack. Yeah, because why would you ask them? It's so accurate. Yeah, and she's right. Yeah. And Saeed is there being a useful actual person. Yeah. yeah, everyone follows Jack when Saeed is literally right there being <laughs> the like, most yeah. handsome and the smartest. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because, I don't know, it, it's like there is this weird thing where uh, everyone seems to immediately trust Jack because the first the first time you see him and the first impression everyone has of Jack, I think, not maybe not everyone, but most characters have a first impression of Jack that is very positive. Well, Locke can be very creepy at first impact or can go immediately (laughs) against you the moment he meets you. Stop there. I believe you. I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) The orange smile. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. So I I think that's why people in the end tend to gravitate around Jack because they're like, well, he's more more reasonably um, positive compared to Locke where you really have to try to understand what he means when he tells you something because most of the time he's probably going to uh, he's telling you something just so you can do something he wants you to do mm-hmm. and so he's always trying to circumvent the situation to, do, to try to do what he actually wants to do and not to act for the well-being of the people well Jack is more stereotypically the protagonist and so he's really trying to do what he's doing for the well-being of everyone on the island no matter how difficult he sometimes can be when he's very much (laughs) I am right because I'm a scientist so I know yeah you are completely correct you don't yeah yeah I mean he means well I I yeah like and you also have to pay you have to pay attention to when Locke talks to you because he's probably telling you in like a metaphor or like a story time or something and you're like trying to figure out what the moral of the story is but also Locke is perceived kind of and I'm not saying it's true because he is very smart and he does a lot of smart things but he's perceived by the group as like kind of kooky so nobody Mm. really like trusts him as much as they should yeah yeah I think like maybe they shouldn't they shouldn't trust Locke more they should just try trust Jack less Yes, is kind of where I'm falling down. (laughs) Yes, and I think in the end we always go back to what Brittany was saying which is that we should trust Saeed first. Saeed, yes. We should trust Saeed. Always go to Saeed. He's literally never wrong. I cannot think of a single time in a show he's wrong. I mean, maybe the torture thing. I don't know. You can make an argument. uh, (laughs) Other than when he's like, 
Jack's fault. Jack's the one who asked him to do it. Okay, morally wrong. See, we fi- we can find ways to blame Jack. Like even Saeed, like this episode or this season was like, um, he's an other, and you know, you go, you waffle back and forth throughout the entire back half of season two as to whether Henry, if Henry is actually an other or not. But ultimately, guess who's right? It's Saeed. <laughs> and I also like. We don't get to see Henry kind of um, off his game very often, but one of the great moments is when they finally get back and they found the driver's license of the real Henry Gale and yeah. he's he's been found out and everything because it's clear when he gave the map to Anna Lucia, he expected Anna Lucia to go there, look at the balloon and be like, great, this guy's a good guy. Come <laughs> back and say, this guy's a good guy, let's trust him. And then Henry becomes one of the one of the crew and learns everything, but he never expected Saeed to go because Saeed figured him out and with Michael as well yeah. he's Saeed's so smart mm-hmm. he's immediately like yeah I think Michael's been compromised he's definitely working for them now and it's again he's just right, he's right. immediately right mm-hmm. like right from the start he sees it and he does something about it and he doesn't make a fuss or cause a scene or have a huge argument with someone he just kind of quietly comes up with a plan that tells the people who need to know and executes it effectively mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does it almost every single episode that he plays a major part in he's just really important yeah. to the plot and he also has no need to say I told you so unlike Jack yes. who just lives for that moment yeah so is that why yes. he's not the leader he's just he doesn't make as many speeches so people just aren't as aware of all the work that he's doing yeah. constantly to save them Saeed is always so calm cool and collected like I love the moment when yes like when Sawyer's like, Saeed, you should come. And Saeed's like, okay. And then Michael comes up to Saeed and is like, you're not coming. And Saeed goes, hi, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to see you again. Yeah. What were you going to say, Angela? No, I was going to say that um, Saeed is also very... Um, no, uh, not Saeed, sorry. Jack also acts impulsively, but in a way that is so stupid sometimes. Like, the, the thing that I will, <laughs> yeah. I will never forget is when Boone was going to die and he was just like okay i'm going to give him my blood and like okay right (laughs) the one doctor but when you pass out then we're all screwed (laughs) do you understand how stupid that sounds and saeed is somebody who would have never done that he would have found a way for boon to get blood without having to literally faint in front of him but no jack was just like okay first i do this and then i think about the consequence which is not the best when you're always in very complicated situations from which you really need to 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 think about what you're going to do and what the consequences are going to be and how that's going to impact everyone else around you, not just you. And but, especially yeah. when you're a doctor. The yes. only doctor. He's the only doctor. <laughs> exactly. To be to be Jack's to be Jack's advocate. Um, what I love about Jack is that every time he makes, like, these stupid, stupid decisions, it's never because the writers are like, this is a smart decision, and then they give it to Jack. The writers know exactly who they're making Jack, and they know how infuriating he is because they're doing it on purpose, which I think is, like, kind of awesome. He is very consistently written, I'll give him that. I mean, I don't like him, but I think he's a good character. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's the good guy in a way. You, he, that's that's why people trust him because they're like, okay, he does mm-hmm. these very stupid things, but he does them with. He has a good heart. He wants to he wants to do his best in the end, but still. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember hating him as much when I first watched it. I think my tolerance mm-hmm. for like mediocre white men in positions of power has just really gone down <laughs> in recent years. 
Yeah, I just I now just have an extreme bias against anyone who's in charge of a group who's just kind of seems to have got there mostly by just wanting to be in charge of the group and not any actual and then claiming he doesn't want to be in charge yeah Yeah. and then claiming that he's like you guys just told me I was the leader and now I'm making decisions and you're mad at me I'm like bro (laughs) you could just be the doctor if you want is that really what happened just be the doctor he's good at being a doctor like oh my god a straight white man (laughs) Let's put him in charge. Give him the sheriff's badge. I'm like, so he is right there! (laughs) But, But, alas, 2004. Yes, exactly. But this is why also, I I don't know, maybe Alice, the reason is also that television changed so much. Because I'm also pretty sure that if I had watched Lost 10 years ago, I would have thought, oh, he's he's a good character. I'm not my favorite, maybe, but he's good. He's a a person that I can trust. Well, now I look at him and I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like i have seen this character a million times maybe that is the problem just like he's yeah it feels like a template to me it's like he's the doctor you know like you could slip him onto gray's anatomy or something and he'd be fine there too he doesn't have anything really distinctive for me about him yeah yeah i agree so before we move on to part two is there anything else that you guys wanted to add oh actually i just Mm. i did forget earlier when we were talking about charlie just like a this is a weird question but why does he have a really posh accent as a child and then he's mancunian when he's an adult what's up with <laughs> you know what that's right. so weird it's so weird because like in the bonus features for fire and water like dom says that he like helped young oh heck what's his name he plays finn on adventure time but i don't remember what it Jer- jeremy or something anyway dom said that he like helped him with his accent and like there's a clip of him like trying to teach him how to do the accent so that's why i'm confused as to what happened there dom was like i want to be posh yeah it's weird because you i mean his dad also has that the accent like he's also clearly northern but somehow his children have not inherited that they're both oliver twist for some inexplicable reason (laughs) weird (laughs) he just you know what he adopted his accent later on because he wanted to sound more chill ah that's definitely that's what i've decided that's true actually it might be easier to be a rock star with that accent yeah who knows yeah (laughs) Right, right. It's part of the rock star thing. What do you think about Liam's accent? Does Liam's accent, um, like, track? As a child or as an adult? Just in general? I mean, I'm not super good at, like, um, regional accents in general, but, um... I mean, it's just pretty much mm-hmm. the same thing, if I recall. He's got, like, again, I would say a posh accent. He's got, like, my accent, you know, like a southern accent, what you think of as British, yep. received English as a child. And then he's, again, he's, I mean, they could have moved to Manchester, but it's just, I don't know, it's weird. I feel like the, the accent you have as a child should be the accent you also have as an adult. Right. Although, sidebar, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that whenever Penelope Woodmore shows up at the end, I'm like, finally, someone who speaks normally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think it's also interesting that like it's the problem definitely isn't that like the kids like the actor the child actor's accent is like coming in and out and maybe that's the problem because he's American oh the child so, actor's American like yeah, yeah so that can't be the problem okay is that maybe that's um, that might be why because American actors do often really lean into like the very posh British yeah. accent because I mean yeah. to me watching the the kind of the flashbacks you get of Charlie as a child I'm like that reads really rich family to me and they are clearly not meant to be mm. um right but just the accent really doesn't track it's like a really private school accent yeah right <laughs> okay but that's a good explanation then if the child was yeah. American yeah yeah and that's maybe just the only accent he could do properly be like this is what Harry Potter sounds like <laughs> he's like I've seen Harry Potter yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do a Mancunian accent, so it probably is really yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Do you guys, are you guys good to move on to part two? Sure. Yeah, I think so. 
Alright, so we are gonna move on to part two, which is going to still be non-spoilery, but we are going to talk about some of the new characters that we got this season, starting with somebody who isn't here as much as he should be. <laughs> but let's talk about Desmond. Oh, oh yeah. Yay! One of the best openings to a seasons of all time. Oh, so good. It's difficult because when I first saw it, I was I remember I was just mad that it was it was what happened. I was just yeah. so annoyed <laughs> it was real. Well what were you what were you expecting? What were you hoping for? I don't I genuinely had no idea what we were expecting in the hatch, but I was we were everyone was very much like, nah, that's not what it is. And then it was. They were like, ah, I can't believe I knew what that was before it was. Uh, oh. <laughs> it is a good opening though. He is immediately yeah. one of the best characters the show has. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Even yeah, going forward as well. I think it was the opening before I knew much about Lost. And I don't know why. But I remember that I watched a YouTube video and then I was like, okay, why am I even watching this? And it was because it was one of the most iconic scenes in Lost, I think. And somebody has sent it to me for some reason. Uh, And then when I watched it in context, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're like, oh, I understand. I get it. Oh, Like every scene of Lost is going to be like that if you watch it without (laughs) context. Yeah, Yeah, but there's this weird thing where when when you haven't watched Lost, but more or less everyone else in the world has, they will start commenting on weird things. So, for instance, I had a very good uh, knowledge about all the issues with the polar bears in Lost, just because everyone kept talking about it, about them. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. And then at some point, there was a weird thing about a tomb. And I was like, okay, enough. (laughs) A tomb? (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, he's, he's amazing. I love him so much. He is not in this season as much as I remember him being in this season. Right. It, it yeah. Every time I'm like, oh, it's the Desmond scene. No, it's not. It's not at all. He's in two episodes. <laughs> but he's weirdly relatable now. But when he comes back, when he comes back, he smashes it out of the park. Like that finale was amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. And the reveal that he crashed the plane. I had that oh. written on my pencil case at school. I remember that. Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> that was what you Wait, did. what? When I was at school, I had a pencil case. I had like movie quotes written in biro on my pencil case and I had the numbers from Lost, obviously, and I had I crashed your plane mm-hmm. written on it. I think I crashed your plane, sorry. <laughs> when it yeah. came up, I was like, yes, 12-year-old me is so excited. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> like, nothing has changed 15 years later. <laughs> yeah, but he gets way better when he comes back. Like I he's a good character from the start. Like you know from the start that he's good and he's uh it's very interesting to follow him and to try to understand who he is and why he's in the hatch. But then once he comes back, I think is when you really start falling in love with him. When you're like, mm-hmm. okay, now I understand him better, now I start piecing things back together and uh He's not just somebody crazy who lives in a hatch and uh, <laughs> for some reason ended up there. But there is a reason behind everything that he does and every weird uh, attitude that, he's, that he has. So, no, I really like him, but I, 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 I think I started loving him at the end of season two, not at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, yeah. In the beginning, you're just like, I mean, you're a cool guy, but like, will I ever see you again? Yeah, what do you even yeah. do? Yeah. Exactly. And he runs off into the jungle, uh, and you're like, was that it for him, I guess? 
So are you okay? <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't come back for a long time. Be like, see you later, dude. Right. And the fact that the show thought, hmm, maybe we won't see him again. I was like, what? And that was just going to be it. <laughs> but I love the moment where it's like, at that point, you've completely forgotten about him. So when you see the boat, you're like, oh my God. And then it's him inside and you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> so you didn't make it. But you completely forget about him by then. Yeah. So it's like, perfect. I was really like, hoping he would meet Rousseau in the jungle and they would just team up and be <laughs> just the entire <laughs> season. I just like to imagine that they're just hanging out. Yeah. Ooh, that would have been cool. Hanging out. <laughs> like, how long was he on that boat for? Like, was he? Has he been on the boat like since he left, like a month ago? Probably. Or <laughs> yeah, like it's been a while, right? Ugh. And they have a lot in common. You know, they've both been stuck alone. I mean, I guess he did train for a thing around the world. I have issues with the boat thing, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know if it's ever explained afterwards. So I don't really know what boat thing like the thing about how the, how he was in the boat for such a long time the fact that he comes back on a boat well basically like he had he- and that some time passes what i mean is that he disappears and then some time passes and then he comes back on a boat i don't remember yeah, if there's um, an explanation for that or yeah so basically he came to the island on the boat and yeah. then he like crashed and then kelvin um, fixed up the boat and was basically trying to leave and then Desmond killed him yeah. by accident because and so I assume that the Elizabeth has just been like tied up over there ever since and so that's kind of where Desmond ran off to when um, when Locke, Locke kind of broke the um, the computer uh, okay yeah yeah no I understand okay yeah. it is, I, I think that's what it is in retrospect it's kind of a dick move on his part considering that he pretty much did to everyone else what Kelvin tried to do to him which was just take the only boat they have and leave everybody else who was also stranded on the island right seems weirdly out of that's character true. for him now I think about it uh, I don't know though because he has in the season two I feel like it's it's very much him trying to show that he's not a coward but acting in a way that is cowardly <laughs> Yes. Mm. Oh, it totally yeah. is. Yeah. So to me, it tracks a lot. He had that conversation with Claire in which he was like talking about the baby and said that like the baby's father was like maybe just trying to do what was best for, y- for you. Mm. And she's like, uh, no. Yeah. There are so many examples of him. Yeah, like projecting away. Yeah. his own insecurities yeah. onto other people to try and absolve himself yeah. of that yeah. guilt. That's a good point. They're still running away in the only boat they have is a little bit, that's a little extreme. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, well, yeah. thanks a lot, Des. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have taken like two or three people at least with you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, maybe it's, he's so broken in season two anyway, like I, I don't see how, uh, I love him, but he, you really understand in season two that he's deeply flawed and that mm-hmm. he's also very approachable and he looks like a genuine nice person just a person that to whom a lot of things happen and so he's a bit always uh, running around from one thing to the other but yeah he he is always trying to show that he's not a coward but also doing the wrong thing while doing that being a coward <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah I don't know. I I love him so much, but it's so difficult to explain why I love him when I talk about that. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's allowed to have flaws. It's fine. What What do you guys? Yeah. Exactly. What do you guys think is the difference between Desmond and Jack, and the reason why Desmond is so beloved versus Jack, who gets a lot of flack? That rhymes. I didn't mean. To. I liked it. Um, I feel like Desmond. Mm very very rarely tries to get other people to do what he wants them to do without any explanation is the easiest mm-hmm. he's just kind of, he's kind of hanging out he's just he's 
he's very much in like the Hurley or Charlie kind of mold for the couple of episodes we see when like he will join the group and he's just a part of it, but he's not vying for power at any given moment right. like Jack and Locker, which immediately makes him more likable, I think. Like he just he talks to people yeah. as if they're equals rather than barking orders at them. Yes. Um, which is yeah. fair because he's I mean, it's amazing he can talk to people at all. He's been there for well, not three years. I guess he's been there for three years with Kelvin, right? And yeah, and like a few weeks actually by himself, right? Yes. Mm. So it, maybe it's not that. I mean, maybe it's not that surprising that he can talk to people a little more easily than someone like Rousseau, who was alone for sixteen years, can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone is very mean to her about that, but you know that's a side issue <laughs> that I have an axe to grind about. Um, because right. you know, I mean, he he immediately. He, when he comes back and realizes he can't leave, he joins the group and becomes one of them. Whereas mm-hmm. Rousseau, they meet her and they interact with her a little bit, but she pretty much goes back off into the jungle and she doesn't integrate with them at all. And they don't really make any attempt to make her do so either, which is like a really stark yeah. difference yeah. between them. Right. But the, well, the difference with uh, with uh, Daniel is that the, she's been out of society for too long. But but I also love her. It's just that it, it's it's so justified the fact that she goes back to the to the jungle and she just disappears. That I, oh, yeah. I never thought about. Oh, okay, what's what's happening with this woman? No, well, she was out of society for so long that it's very difficult for her to go back into it. With Desmond, the thing is that I think you see his evolution so clearly, and so you see him getting better and better. Well, for Jack, he since the beginning he he acts as if he's already he's already achieved. Every everything he could and he's already good and he doesn't believe that he can have he can improve because he's already right uh well desmond is yes jack never learns anything yeah that's that bothers me about him as a character yeah he starts yes i think he starts to learn so late in the show that by that point most of us have already lost interest in him well Desmond from the moment he appears well not the first episodes but when once he comes back in season two at the end of season two you realize that he's actually working a lot on himself Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get better because he he agrees with people that tell him that he's flawed and that's the main difference with Jack in my opinion I like I like how with Rousseau, like, the reason why she isn't, like, hanging out with everybody isn't because they didn't, like, invite her, you know what I mean? Like, they, like, if she wanted to be a part of the group, I think there'd be some people who wouldn't be interested in that, um, especially, like, Claire. I mean, after maternity leave, they kind of have, like, a bond and it's better now, but I think, like, Saeed has been like, are you gonna come back? And she's the, she says no. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a, at least they didn't, like, just full-on tell her, no, you're not invited, go back to your hut. <laughs> go back to your <laughs> hut! Yeah. In the jungle, yeah. I just, I feel like they don't think enough about how it's always kind of implied that she has to do that. that she's not really one of them. I don't know, maybe, the, maybe right. they would. I'd like to think that if she came to their beach and was like, right, I'm joining up with you, they would um, have accepted her with open arms, but they always seem to kind of right. treat her as like a like a natural resource of the island that they can just call upon mm. when they need her mm. and then just ignore the rest of the yeah. time which is fine like if that's what she wants but i feel like she's maybe not the best judge of what the right thing to do is for her as someone who has been yeah. alone for 16 yeah. years i just i just feel really sorry for her you said in a i think actually your last podcast i've just remembered because at the time i was like hey because someone said um that Locke was the character who had the most tragic life on this oh, show. Right, yeah. And I would like to call shenanigans on that. 
because as someone who has been alone for like 40 days, being alone on an island for 16 years in mortal fear of your life the whole time is the worst thing I can imagine happening to anyone. I would much rather have Locke's life than Rousseau's. Let's give them a yeah. tie. How about main character versus uh, secondary character? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I, I also like with Desmond coming back that um, they're like, okay, so we're going to need a boat. We're going to bring in a boat. Um, and then the next episode, they're like, okay, this is how we made it make sense. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel clunky or anything. No. Like it's literally just like, they're like, now we have significantly more resources and it doesn't feel like they just like did that and tried to make you look over there. And then mm. we just do this. And then you come back and, oh, look, now we have a boat. Like it, it totally made sense, which I think is funny that they're able to kind of do that and whatever they need, they can make make sense. Yep. It's very much like video game mechanics where it's like, okay, we need to introduce a new resource. How do we do it in a coherent way? Because this is more like a survival game, right? Yeah. And like, it totally works. Are you guys good? Can we move on to the next part? Just one last thing. I just, I would, yeah, yeah go ahead. And then <laughs> I also have another thing. Sure. <laughs> More Desmond always. Um, no, I just wanted to say that it just—it's weirdly watching this in the year 2020. All the stuff with Desmond mm-hmm. really hits differently. As you know, speaking as someone who is also trapped in a small amount of rooms, staring at a computer screen totally. all day, on an island thousands of miles away from my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, the fact that that happened and the timing worked out so crazily with like us doing that. Like the, those finale podcasts during quarantine, yeah. it's like really eerie. And like, I feel you, I'm very sympathetic to everything Desmond does because I'm like, man, this sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I understand. So, yeah. He's like, I'm going insane. And I'm like, girl, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And trying to do a bit of exercise, otherwise, you get all. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, listening to the same song over yeah. and over again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. staring at photos of your girlfriend. <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's very relatable (laughs) yeah and just so because you were mentioning girlfriends i just wanted to say that i love his love story with penny even just here even just the beginning of it uh yeah that's just what i wanted to say there's a weird the the word that was coming to me before was like a bit of a fairy tale like the thing that you it feels so pure but Mm -hmm. There, there's real life in it mixed up with it and so it's very difficult for both of them to be with each other and I don't know it's so beautiful. I think it's crazy how I don't think we even heard of Penny until the season finale and as soon as you see the season finale you're like I'm in! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're like yep exactly. seems right seems good hope you guys get together. <laughs> It's also kind of cool watching their love story now because when I watched it, like, I think 10 years ago, I was like, oh my god, this is so romantic, this is flawless. And then, of course, like, now I watch it, I'm like, oh, these are, like, deeply damaged people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I only saw, like, the shiny veneer of it and didn't, like, dig any deeper. But I'm like, oh, like, Desmond actually was a coward and Mm -hmm. he didn't always do what was right for her. He did what was right for him. And I think, like, me 10 years ago would have, like, dismissed criticism of that as being, like, someone's like, oh, like, you're a hater. But now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. They wrote him that way to make him complex and to make him, like, relatable. Yes. And it's not, like, a shiny, like, it is a fairy tale relationship, but there, it ha- also, you're right, is, like, grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it's the thing that uh, it's put in a way that you don't think they're wrong with each other, for each other. That's what I mean. It's, y- you, yeah. yeah. You see that and you see, okay, this is, ve- it's very difficult that they can be together because there are so many things in there and he needs to grow a lot a lot and she needs to understand that she doesn't have to do what her dad 
tells her to do because it's also it's complicated from both sides but at the same time you're like okay I see that you're destined in a way to be with each other is just not your moment yet yeah and it's such a relationship of timing yeah and that's what that's what i mean by fairy tale it's like you see them and you're like okay i can see there's a love story there that at some point is going to happen but clearly you both need to grow before you can be together and that's very realistic to me because that's uh, also real life you don't meet a person and it's immediately boom Mm -hmm. so yeah I love it. I love that. I love that perspective a lot. I think that's exactly it. So who is everyone's favorite Taylee? My favorite Taylee is Bernard. Mm -hmm. It is very hard to to choose one. Yeah. I grew to love Anna Lucia a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was very sad that she was not there. Mm. I do get very... it's it's sad that we lose so many, or not so many of them. It's kind of we lose two of them by the yeah. end of this season, which feels like a little bit of a wasted opportunity. And yeah. obviously yeah. Bernard is very much he's not in it a lot. I do love him, so I'm a bit like ah mm-hmm. the Tailies. Like I think my my favorite Taylor is Echo by almost by default because we get the most time with him, yeah. if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked him on this rewatch as well. I find him really interesting. I think he is like a slightly better lock. <laughs> I think is when I while I was watching uh, the first time I mean I loved Echo and I think he was my favorite and then I slightly shifted onto Bernard and I think Mm -hmm. the main reason is because of Rose not because of him yes yes right yep i like the rose and bernard relationship so much yeah exactly yeah their episode their episode has so much nuance yeah yeah exactly i think the moment i started seeing his relationship with rose then i was like okay i i love this guy but before Mm -hmm. i was pretty much an echo is my favorite tailey and that's it because he's so complex he has so much in him he you can see him in just that specific How do you say that in English? Okay, anyway, you can see him in opposition with Locke. You see him in the group of the Tailies, in the group of the people in the island in general. And he always has a place in a way because he's Mm -hmm. somebody that is so different from everybody else. But it has such a clear character there that uh, uh, it's amazing to see. But Bernard is more, it's closer, is is closer closer to my heart in a way and I was so mm-hmm. sorry for him when he wanted to do the SOS sign and nobody wanted to help him. <laughs> it broke my heart. <laughs> I have to say like the moment at the end of 204 when we get the reveal that Bernard is Bernard and he asks Michael if Rose is okay and he like cries saying thank you or whatever. I cry every single time. I do. It's so beautiful. It is so heartwarming. That is the first time Lost makes me cry in a watch of Lost, and it does oh. happen every time. Sam Anderson is amazing. Yeah, and it it fit, he fits so well with with Rose. Mm-hmm. I I I would never have thought that he was Bernard, mm-hmm. but once you start knowing him, you realize, oh, of course he's Bernard. Of course they belong together in a way. Yeah, I don't know. It's beautiful. I think. Uh, and then you you learn that they haven't known each other for so long, and so you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, th- this makes even more sense. The fact that they're bickering like in like newlyweds, you know, and it's nice. I love the concept of them meeting so late in life because it really it's it shows you that that you can find love later in life and and it's okay to do that because it'll all work out in the end. And what's really heartbreaking is that it was based on L. Scott Caldwell's 
actual life and actual husband. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's just like, that's just another layer that makes it mean so much. And I love the message they have in their, their kind of flashback episode, when it's this idea that even if things do go bad and she doesn't end up getting better it's still worth it he still he still proposes to her they still get married and they they kind of make the most of the time they have left even though he is constantly fighting to try and save her it's not it's not not worth the relationship even if they do only have a small amount of time together and then he agrees to stay on the island potentially forever just so she can be well (laughs) i'm very emotional about it i love them i love them a lot yeah it's so it's so romantic i don't know it's it's really one of those relationships in love when you're like okay this is peak romanticism though because yeah and it's it's really nice to see that with you know slightly older characters who aren't just the really like the young glamorous ones with the really exciting will they won't they it's just no they just kind of fell in love and got married and it's still really meaningful and really effective Mm -hmm. yeah those are my favorite relationships Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes let people be happy So, um, how do you guys feel about Libby and Hurley? Uh, <laughs> I was rooting for them, I think, when it when I first saw it, just because I really liked Hurley. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Libby never really felt that much like a character. It was very much like when her when Libby dies, I'm sad for Hurley. And mm-hmm. now I have the added layer that now I'm mad. Rather than being sad for Libby. That I'm just sad for Hurley and not for Libby, who's kind of deserved yeah. to be a character. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know, Libby feels a bit like a character that was cut to be with Hurley in those specific episodes, but that couldn't add couldn't add much to the story, except exactly. for those brief moments where she acts as a psychologist, but she doesn't change so much in the plot that may could lead anybody think that she's essential for it. It's more like she was added because, well... The tailies came in, um, and it was a good thing for Hurley to have a different type of relationship because he had a lot of friends, but he hadn't had a romantic interest yet. But then again, yes, it's it's the point where it's it's a bit exploitative the fact that you really care for Hurley and how he feels, but you never really care about Libby, or at least I didn't care much about Libby. I cared uh, when she died because of the implication of Michael killing somebody out of nowhere when when he was always a very pacific person, peaceful. Um, yeah, he was uh, always against uh, weapons and, and being violent and everything, but I never really cared about her being part of the group. Mm. Yeah, I think she really suffers from dying at the same time as Anna Lucia as well, just because it's really it's an effective like shock moment. Um, But the fact that Anna Lucia is already kind of a more interesting character that we know a lot better and who actually has had more of an arc and more things to do in the story, it's more surprising to me when she gets killed and Libby kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit of that episode. Yeah, Libby really only gets killed so that Hurley can have a a growth in a way but even then i mean she could have stayed it wouldn't have changed much mm-hmm. so yeah I like it's just classic fridging yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah we could say this i think libby was a relatively simple character yeah yeah we could say the same about so many characters in other shows and movies that are really there just so they can die so that somebody else can have a moment of i don't know 
Yeah. Where it works. Well, exactly. I know, and I yeah. think we're lucky that it that it doesn't happen very often on this show. Yeah. And this is one of the only ones that it happens. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, it, it is kind of extraordinary that a show of this age only did it once. Mm-hmm. But even then, I was just like, ugh, mm. why? Because, like, I'm so tired of watching women die yeah. to forward, like, a man's story. And, like, even now, like, they're still making shows where it's, like, after the death of his wife. And I'm like, I'm not interested! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of, I like that they gave the, I don't know how, it's not exactly revolutionary, but I like that they gave the kind of comic relief character, like the larger guy, who's a little less self-confident, a love interest, who clearly really cares about yes. him and likes him. But I I don't know if I want to give them points for that, because they then immediately kill her off a few episodes yeah, later. They, so you've still yeah. kind of got the thing of like, well, the comic relief sidekick still doesn't get like the happy ending with a romance. Right. Yeah. You know, he gets to be happy for like a little bit. Exactly. And that's it. Like, that's yeah, what you and get. He doesn't get a love interest because that, in a way, makes him more interesting. That That is the... The, the thought that or the thing that transpires from it in my opinion is that okay he was interesting with a love with love interest but he's more interesting having lost a love interest uh, right. and I am not sure I'm okay with it <laughs> mm-hmm. agreed I'm, I'm not okay with it either let's move on to Anna Lucia my love I love Anna Lucia I definitely started this season disliking Anna Lucia. I've disliked Anna Lucia for like every single rewatch I've done, but ha- being able to like go in really deep this yeah. this ha- this rewatch um has been really great for me kind of understanding Anna Lucia and appreciating her. I think that it happens more for Shannon for me though. Oh yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> on this rewatch though, weirdly enough, like with Shannon, when I first watched, I was like, who is this random girl who's just like not taking anything seriously? And now I'm just like, I get I'm also in my twenties. Yeah. I also <laughs> would probably have no idea what to do here. Yeah. But um but bringing it back to Anna Lucia, I um I definitely like see more of her side. I still think that she is very harsh, but I think that's the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's who she's supposed to be. So um, I ultimately would not say now that I hate Anna Lucia. Yeah. Um, is she one of my favorites? No, but I definitely see her complexity. Yeah. Like, I think the thing that like I really latch onto with Anna Lucia is she's very much, and I like hate saying this, but she's very much the male version of, or the female version of Jack. Mm-hmm. You know, she has that same like moral sense of responsibility, the overburdened shoulders, the tragic backstory. Like she has all of those same things, but because she's a woman, I'm so much more interested in her. Which is interesting because um, at the end of season one, she and Jack, when they meet at the uh, airport bar, talk about switching seats. And so yeah. we had a whole conversation yeah. about what would be different if they had switched because they are so similar. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why, like, I re- really found myself being like, oh, I kind of wish that we'd been able to keep her because she was a fascinating foil for him because she was him. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you already said a lot. <laughs> uh, it's Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult because I, I cannot imagine the show with her now. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, what it would have been with choosing. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, it's the opposite of what we were saying for Libby. Libby's death is not mm-hmm. impactful. Well, Ana Lucia's death, well, it's not, it doesn't have this huge impact that is carried over the whole show. But there is kind of an impact in the fact that the Tailies don't have a guide now. They're literally, okay, they, now we need to be part of this group because we, we don't have the person that was kind of guiding us through this. Right. And I don't know if I... 
love her. I certainly don't hate her. Like I, I, I really don't like Jack. I don't think I really yeah. dislike Ana Lucia. It's just that I am not really sure I like the type of character that she is. Because, yeah. But I, as as you were saying, it's maybe because if I rewatch the show now and I really pay attention to her story maybe I might I might like her in a different way but when I first watched it I was a bit like okay so this is basically Jack but a female version but that has a different type of tragic backstory and Mm -hmm. that in a way acts she's a bit more hmm, how can I say this uh, Jack tries to act a bit in a, in a fair way I think well she she mm-hmm. tries to trick people more often than Jack right she's a little more selfish she's a lot more tyrannical for sure yeah. yeah that is that is my impression that is what I don't like about her but apart from that I don't dislike her and I think she she's a very interesting character to to watch but i cannot imagine loss with her in it it's mm-hmm. like sure the point her story got to is a good point for me and i would have been interested in seeing her for a few more episodes maybe but still i don't know she'd be she's a bit too much like jack to also be in the show would have been interesting if jack had died and she yes. had yeah yes. uh, yeah <laughs> I mean, that would have been an amazing twist. That would have been interesting to see. I think that's like what we were all thinking. Maybe. If Michael had come in and shot Jack in the hatch, that would have been an amazing thing to happen. Oh my god. Because that would have felt like a betrayal as well. The entire world would have gone nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about Echo in, when we were talking about Locke, but does anybody have anything to add about Echo before we move on? Mm. I think there's nope. I think there's more okay. in the next season without spoiling it. But yeah. 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 Okay. I just love him That's a lot. A very fair point. He's, he's great. He's so yeah. interesting to me. He's he's the real man of faith in the show and in well in a different way than than Locke, mm. but uh, it's it's so interesting to see. I think. Him as like the lock to Anna Lucia's Jack is a really interesting kind of little dynamic that they touch upon occasionally. But it's so much softer because like he comforts her while she cries and everything. Like Locke would never. Yeah. It's like <laughs> oh, in a yeah. way it feels almost like this is the slightly like the Tailies are a slightly more progressive version of the show that maybe would have been made ten years later. Like right. yeah. okay, instead of like the white mm-hmm. guy in charge, like the attractive white doctor man we're gonna have the like latina woman um and then instead of yeah, like yeah. the white guy is locked we've got like oh, we've got a he's a nigerian guy and he's you know, mm-hmm. like they fill the same roles but they're wait that's actually so accurate yeah. it's the more diverse version <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna be thinking about that for a while now <laughs> <laughs> and they're both just slightly more interesting to me than the characters we got which is like ah, it's a little frustrating right. Yeah, that is very true. Perfect. Uh, so yeah. I think now we're going to move on to... Oh, Angela, did you have another... No, can I just point? say one thing about the Tailies in general yes. as a group? It's yes. just that I was thinking that... I, w- I was wondering today whether I love the fact that they appear or not. And in the end, I think that I really like their appearance. But it's I, I can say that having watched season two and the rest of the show. But at the moment, mm-hmm. it was very hard for me to start getting interested in them. Because there are already so many characters and so many stories and so many backstories also and relationships and having these new characters thrown in was a bit difficult at the beginning mm-hmm. exactly. but my the thing is that lost does 
this a lot that they try to create a balance and then they immediately disrupt it so it's they really try to put something in the story that is going to destroy what the story was supposed to uh, to continue as and the mm-hmm. fact that the tale is arrived completely changed the um, the fate in a way of everybody else in the on the island because they were counting on something and then something else happens and also Desmond's appearance does that uh, the fact that really somebody else shows up and he has a boat and he's showing them another side of the island and then Harry appeals so it's a bit everywhere but for the Tedis it was very impactful because there were so many of them so yeah that's it that's my thought they are surprisingly good at Lost considering it is a show that the premise is there's a small group of survivors stuck on a deserted island in bringing in new characters constantly. (laughs) I think that genuinely they really are good at that. They always find a reason which makes sense. It doesn't feel forced to me. Yes, and they're perfect. Like, oh God, I cannot wait to get to season four. I have so many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's true. Okay, we'll we'll talk about this in the spoiler section, I think. But uh, Sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad that you brought up Henry because he is the next the next my boy. person we're talking about. Um, and his name is is Henry. My boy, my horrible boy. <laughs> I mean, we all we know that his name is not Henry, but at this point, we cannot say what his name is, so we're just gonna keep calling him Henry. Um, Brittany, you have thoughts? He's just so horrible. Tell me more. You know, I love how much he like upsets the Lock and Jack dynamic because he walks in and he looks at both of them and he's like, "You're both idiots." Yeah. Here's why. And, like, Jack doesn't even engage. He knows exactly how to get right to the core of Locke, though. Yeah. Like, he literally has to say three words and Locke, like, throws dishes across the room. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I love it so much. It's such a great story, though. (laughs) It brings me so much joy. That's really the core of season two. I think he truly... I think he saves season two because, in my opinion, season two is one of the weaker seasons. And I think as soon as he shows up, you're like, whoa, okay. Okay, I'm back in. Yeah. 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 That is so true. It's one of those iconic lost storylines that I always remember because a lot of the really iconic things, I think, are in season one, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. But when I think of, like, the smoke monster and, like, the... I don't know, the hatch opening and Saeed in the clearing surrounded by all the whispers and Ethan not being on the manifest and all the cliche yeah. of everyone, like yeah. the whole running through the jungle crying and screaming thing, which is what I think of when I think of Lost. That's like, <laughs> yeah. But it's really only, it's mostly season one, but then you get to season two, you're like, eh, everything's a little bit different. And then the whole Henry Gale in the hatch, Jack versus Locke thing comes up and you're like, yes, this is another iconic Lost thing that I remember and I've been looking forward to. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I don't know. I'm from Minnesota. I like balloons. <laughs> Believe me. I'm a mere balloonist. And you're like, no, you're not, you dirty, rotten liar. <laughs> I'm a simple balloon man. My wife. Uh. What, <laughs> what a weird funny. cover story is that? <laughs> yeah but but Saeed Saeed immediately does not believe it I mean Shannon just got murdered right and so he's already on like this huge not high but like I guess the opposite would be like major low yeah depression um, but he's yeah. so like um what, he's spontaneous and he's doing things and so the whole time you're thinking oh my god is this man innocent you spend the whole back half flip-flopping yep as yeah. to if he's innocent yeah. or not and it's it's some crazy storytelling it's and crazy I remember that at the time everyone was really arguing about it constantly after every single episode like whether mm-hmm. or not he was who he said he was yeah but mm-hmm. because there are some episodes where you, where you truly believe what he's saying maybe okay maybe the impression you're having is that uh, he might not be a nice person Uh, he's kind of a trickster in a way 
But that doesn't mean... You can definitely tell. Yeah, that doesn't mean that he's wrong. Maybe he actually arrived there with a balloon and his wife died and he's just not a nice person normally. But then at some point you start realizing that this doesn't really track and there's something else behind that. The fact that he pushes Locke so much. Uh, I I love him so much. You guys, the you got any milk? (laughs) (laughs) Monologue? It's crazy. You got any milk? Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, you were saying it. Season one is... uh, Alice, you were saying it. Season one is so iconic in a way, but the fact that they managed to introduce something like this in season two is is amazing. Yeah, I think they kind of lost it for a little while and then they found it again when they figured out what the... they wanted the show yeah. to be from that point on and then i think after that they yeah. just kind of they have it like they they flounder a little bit after they've run out of the initial like setting up of all the mysteries in season one and then they have to start answering a few things and trying to figure out how they want to do that and how they want to keep it going without just it getting really annoying that everything is constantly mysterious and you have no idea what's happening um and yeah. i think they do that really well like there's a lot of a lot of people criticize lost to being just inexplicable and it isn't because if you actually watch it they do answer all the questions that you have (laughs) i think the problem is that like shows now like you can be on your phone while you watch them you can fold the laundry while you watch them you know you can do whatever you want while you watch them and they still make sense so that's why people think that lost is confusing it's like if you just like watch the screen and pay attention while you watch it it is not that confusing it's laid out pretty simply you will find out like there are gonna be a load of episodes where you don't know who henry gale is and what his agenda is and whether he's lying or t- yeah and that's the point but eventually you're gonna find out <laughs> It's not going to leave it like that forever. There are so many long games where, you know, things that happened in season one that you're still wondering about are answered in season six. And that's yeah. just good storytelling. Even though you don't have all the answers now, you can't, say that, you can't say there's a bajillion unanswered questions. I can't watch this show. Yeah, there's unanswered questions, but you're not waiting for the answer. Yeah. Exactly. And it's much preferable to just bringing in new questions and new things every single season to try and keep people's interest and just quietly forgetting about all the things that you had brought in before because you think people are no longer yeah. interested in them, mentioning no shows. Yeah. It's also because I, I think uh, if we exclude some very notable exceptions later, um, they do so... Their character work is so good and so consistent that you can introduce something weird in the plot. You can move the plot for in a completely different direction, and still it makes sense in a way. Um, mm-hmm. While many shows right now uh, that are that are running or uh, that uh, we find on on Netflix, like when they, they throw the whole season uh, on Netflix, and you realize that there wasn't as much thought put into making everybody's actions consistent with what they were and coherent mm-hmm. with what they were doing before and so also the plot reflects that in a way because then you you really don't understand what's happening and it's very difficult to 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 appreciate what's happening well here the fact that you are you are interested in how all the characters evolve and how the plot forces them to evolve then it's so interesting and i mean harry is just one one case where there is a character that is so well written that they change the fate of everybody that is involved with him but yeah I love him so much I love his weird pieces of dialogue where he just says things and everybody else is trying to understand what he actually means yeah and he's just doing it so that they they are all they all get confused and 
he seems like he's having so much it. fun the entire time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's like literally getting tortured. He's just like, okay, but this is great though. <laughs> it's a pretty good time. Well, like, yeah. Is anyone else having a great time? Because yeah. I am. It's it's yeah. really good, like character driven, character based drama, rather than just having to like just shove this yeah. new guy who we don't know who he is in a hole with two established characters who are already at each other's throats and just kind of see what happens. Exactly. And yeah. Michael Emerson won an Emmy for this show, for his work as this character. Well so, yeah. He's so good. Um, I think a lot of our conversation about him needs to be put in the spoiler section. So does Fair anybody enough. have anything else to add before we move on to spoilers? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I really like the point where Rousseau shoots in the back with the crossbow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why it just makes me laugh every time. That's like the first thing that happens to him. I think possibly. Heck, and Michael Emerson shows up for his first episode, and he's like, "Uh," and it's just like, "Yeah, this is." I mean, possibly partly for spoiler reasons, which we can get into, but just the fact that that's her immediate reaction to this new person. Like, we have no idea he's yeah. who he is or what he's done. As soon as he tries to run away, she just shoots him in the back. Yeah, it's just so funny. It's so great. It's what he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. He's such uh, a worm. The only thing that I wanted to add is that one thing that I really like about Henry that we see already here. I mean, we'll see it later also, but we we start seeing it here is that he's not one-sided. He's not just the character that you throw in so that uh, there can be a conflict with everybody else and he can create confusion in in the plot but he's also a person like you you can see a human side in him it's just well it's not really revealed for now that much but there is something behind the fact that he acts this way and uh, Mm -hmm. i love it yeah stay tuned for our segment after the outro we'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers so proceed with caution thank you so much for listening to this episode of the pod (laughs) our music is And thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. They truly are the gods among men. Yeah, we would be lost without them. Um, Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neeps. If you are so inclined, write us a nice review on iTunes. That'd be cute. You can even just give us those little stars. Those are free. (laughs) Uh, And we also have a. It's it's free to write a review. It's free to do all of that. (laughs) Um, And we have a survey in the description, just perpetually open. You can say some things that you like about the podcast or some things that you think we could work on. We love your feedback. However, we cannot be less annoying. So don't put that in there because we already know. Yeah, like I'm already aware of this. I'm fine with it. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. <laughs> Season 7, by the time this comes out, will be just about starting? No, uh, by the time this comes out, it will have come out uh, like three days ago. Oh boy. So our first podcast for Season 7 will be coming out this coming Monday mm-hmm. on May 25th. Um, so we hope that you'll join us over there. Uh, you can watch the season or you don't have to watch the season. You can just listen to the podcast. We're going to try and make it coherent for you anyway. I wish I could do that. Yay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I truly wish like Robin could watch it for me and then just tell me what happens and then I just talk about how stupid I think it is. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work. I know. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. God, it's really the light like of my life. It's the light yeah. of my life. Um so we finished the first four seasons of Riverdale. Uh the fourth oh season God. was cut a little bit short, but eventually we're going to get to the last three episodes um and it has been renewed for both season 5 and season 6 and I am thrilled. It's a so, hot mess. I love yeah. it. You guys can watch Riverdale or, once again, we try and make it coherent even if you don't want to watch Riverdale. We've had people listening to our podcast without having seen Riverdale and still had a good time. Yeah. So, God, it's it so much fun. It doesn't make much more sense when you watch it. Yeah. God, you know? it's so fun. Yeah. It's the best. Garbage. If you're <laughs> it's garbage. the best garbage me about our podcast. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. Um, we, how far will we be in season two by the time this comes out? Still at we four? uh season yeah episode four just yeah. came out so we're in the middle of season two we're doing that over a year and then we're gonna hopefully stretch everything out until we get to the season four mm-hmm. so join us over there if you're a fan of star trek uh, yeah. we did the whole first season of picard on our star trek picard feed hell yeah um uh, we've got a round table coming out soon for that and Brittany has some plans for more star trek content on that feed so yeah. go check that out you can follow the fictionados on twitter facebook tumblr instagram rebel youtube mostly twitter Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Honestly, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive. We have, um, for $1 and up, we give you a yearly postcard and early access to every single one of our pods. This pod almost always goes up a week in advance. So if that's worth it to you, we would love your help. $5 and up gets 10% off of me and Brittany's store, shopdeluxe.com. You can check those links out in the description. You can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Thank you to Angela and Alice for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So Angela, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at IRL Writers Block. Uh, It's on private, but you can ask to follow me and I'll say yes. (laughs) And then Alice? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Alice underscore V underscore Smith because your options are really limited when your name is A Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do also have a Tumblr. But you cannot pry that from my cold dead hands. So yeah, keep it to Twitter. Um, so for our next episode, we are going to be posting our season two spoiler sections, just like we did last uh, season. We posted the spoiler sections just for people who are specifically going back to watch the spoiler sections. Um, those will be coming out every Friday for the next five weeks. So May 29th, June 5th, June 12th, June 19th, and June 26th. Episode 301, start of season three, comes out the first Friday in July. Um, it's called A Tale of Two Cities, and we're going to be having our friend Drew on, who is at the Drew Koenig, and we are so excited. I'm so excited for our season three. That podcast is going to be five hours long with Drew, and I never shut up. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Okay, love you. Bye. 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 to talk about in the spoiler section but i say if we want to go back and talk about some of the other things um spoilery that we can also do that does anybody have anything to say about charlie michael Locke? Mm. Mm. a few things about charlie i guess yeah i think like i have a couple thoughts about michael um because they do actually bring him back but not for very long and then he has like the worst ending ever (laughs) He yeah. truly gets like shafted out of all characters. Yeah, like he does he's not even. In, he's not even in the flash sideways because he has to be like someone needs to be an example of what the whispers are, and they just happen to make it him, and it's kind of like, disappointing. Why did you do that to my boy? Yeah, it's so it's so bad, really. I, I'm I don't I don't understand what they did with Michael there. Yeah, I I don't understand the end of season two to be honest for Michael. It that already right. doesn't sit well with me because it's so it feels so weird like so 
taken out of context in a way. It was really just, it feels so forced that they wanted Michael to leave the island. And I don't know, it's uh, it's weird. It's just I weird. said in, yeah, I said in our uh, season two finale podcast, but the moment where Michael starts driving away and looks back and sees like all of his friends like bound and gagged and yep. just keeps going i'm just like what happened here mm. i find it really difficult to try and put myself in his shoes because i do not have a child and i have no maternal instinct right. whatsoever so anytime there's any kind of yeah anything in a tv show when it's like someone really goes above and beyond for their kid i'm like i don't i don't know how realistic this is that someone would be willing to do this just you know to save yeah. their, their son if it meant potentially that a lot of other people would be killed for it i mean i guess right yeah but whenever i talk to my mom i'm like is this realistic and she's like yes i would literally murder a thousand people and i'm like okay gotcha okay so this is realistic i just my neither of my parents would do that there is no way <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, my mom was a single mom, so she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> my parents would my dad in that situation would definitely be like, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Sorry. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> you got Vulcan. Yeah, the issue is a bit what we were saying before in and then non-spoiler section uh, when we were talking about the fact that Michael is not just Walt's dad and this is completely forgotten in season two. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the moment season two starts, Michael is only seen as Walt's dad and that's not a bad yeah. thing. Like I, I really understand the fact that he's his dad. He hasn't seen yeah. anything about his son for the past 10 years and so he really wants to save him and spend the rest of his life with him but i don't get why from the moment this thing with walt happens michael is reduced to being walt's dad and nothing else is there exactly this is something that happens a lot with uh, female characters i think that mm -hmm. they they at some point uh, they 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 are kind of reduced to being a mom once they become a mom but in walt in in michael's case it's um it's so extreme really from being such a complex person to uh, to really not being considered uh, as a complex character by the show, it's um, it's weird. Mm. Did someone say that they wanted to add something about Charlie? Um, I didn't. Kind of. I think maybe it's more about <laughs> Charlie and in general. But I guess I just wanted to say that having yeah. then seen season three and like he obviously he only is in up to the end of season three. <laughs> really yeah as a character yeah. so it's kind of weird looking back over his arc as a whole when it's like he's it's season one's great for him season two is really bad for him and then season three is kind of it's good for him again in a slightly different way yeah he's like a hero he's a hero in season three but it, it feels yeah it feels weird that there's such a big chunk like literally pretty much a third of his screen time is just me not liking him even though he is one of my favorite characters right. overall they do a lot of good right, work exactly. in season mm. three to redeem him so i kind of feel like maybe they figured out yeah to retcon that but like they'd gone too far yeah, with it yeah. um they did him so dirty yeah it is a shame knowing that they are then planning on having this sort of i assume at this point they probably knew they were gonna kill him off at the end of the next season right it's a shame that they felt they had to do that one of the things that i wanted to talk about in the spoiler section was just like season three and we um we lose like we well we have like four tailies because cindy gets taken out so we have like four Tailies, two of them die in season two and then one of them dies in season three and Bernard makes it to the end of the series. Well, he makes mm -hmm. it past the end of the series because he, he does sure live. Is. But um, yeah. He's yeah. the only one, right? <laughs> Mr. Echo 
Yeah, they have like season six plans for Mr. Echo. It's just unfortunate that Adewale had to had to leave. But I yeah. I don't blame Adewale for wanting to leave because no. the circumstances around that uh, was totally fair. However, they did want to bring him back so that he could be in the Flash sideways, and Adewale demanded too much money that they didn't have, and so they couldn't have him in the Flash sideways. Mm. You know, looking back though, I wonder if he really did not demand that much because we know now how pay disparity works in Hollywood, mm. and you gotta wonder if they. Were lowballing him and he just walked away. I don't oh, know. That, I have no way of knowing. It's a shame. I hate that when yeah. something happens in real life and you kind of find out about it and it's sometimes it's someone's fault, sometimes it's a situation where it's really nobody's fault and it's just unfortunate, but it kind of has an impact on yeah. what happens to the character. And I'm like, ah, I, yeah. I understand that it's it's inevitable that TV is made in the real world and real people are involved and they also have other lives and things yeah. that are going on. And also it's a job mm-hmm. that they have to get paid for yeah. fairly and yeah. Presumably enjoy to some extent, but it does suck when you're like, oh, this is a great character and they've been screwed over mostly just because of completely outside of our control factors. Again, not bitter at all about anything in particular. Yeah, I wish they could just tell their story. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want them to tell their story the way that they want yeah. to tell it. Like, when Luke Perry passed away last year, I'm just like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, Fred was supposed to live forever in Riverdale, and it's like, it doesn't make sense that this happened because this, and it's like, well, we can't do anything yeah. about it. What can you do? Yeah, if you don't have the actor anymore. He's gone. Like, what can we do? Yeah, but still... Archie remembers him sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Not always, but sometimes. I mean, there are better and worse Which ways of writing people out. Yeah. I think some shows handle it better than others. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there are less yeah. spiteful ways of doing it. But yeah. Not that we have any experience with that. <laughs> right. I also have to say that the way they wrote uh, Echo Out is not the worst because it didn't damage the impression that I had and the love I had for the character. Uh, That's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it is not a very good ending, but it's definitely not. It's not a good ending. It's not insulting, yes. though. Yes, but it doesn't change anything. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, it didn't make me mad. No, I know, I know. I mean, it doesn't look good on the show. No, what I'm saying is that it doesn't look good on the show. But it's not what happened to Michael, for which now I cannot start season one and see Michael in the same way. Well, I can start season two and be like, oh yes, I still, I still love Echo. It's very unfortunate yeah. what they did to him, meaning that he couldn't come back afterwards. But yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. There are certain things that happen to some characters who it's completely like the character is ruined. You can't even look at the character anymore and that's not what happened with echo it was not a very well written death it didn't really make a lot of sense continuity wise or otherwise but at least you can still love echo yeah at least they didn't ruin the character i definitely agree and i just wanted to say one thing about charlie because we were talking about it late uh, earlier and it's that i really think that they find charlie back with desmond yes like the- yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's my listen. That's my crack. Maybe that's my crack ship. Maybe that's my crack ship. Don't at me about it. You can at me about it. I have. <laughs> Just listen. Know know that Wonderwall is their song. You know, okay. and then it's like maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And Desmond is like constantly saving Charlie. But then at the end of season three, Charlie's the one who saves Desmond. And I'm just like, um, what is this? A tragic romance or something? Poetry. No, but yeah, I. I think so yeah this is something that I couldn't say earlier but the issue is that I I have the impression that in season two they were trying to pair him with somebody and they couldn't find somebody that would work for Charlie 
And then once mm-hmm. they realized that he worked well th- with Desmond, then it was like, oh, okay, then we fixed it. They figured it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they took some time to fix it, though. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't ideal. Yes, but then yeah. the ending is amazing, and that's it. That's the only thing I can think about now. Probably one of my favorite season finales of all time of, like, any show. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Even though it's, like, even though all the flash-forwards are all about Jack, like, <laughs> it's still okay because the reveal that it is a flash-forward. That's immediately minus a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so where do we see the work of Jacob this season? I think that we've talked a lot about this in separate spoiler sections, but... Like, one of the ones that really sticks out to me is the death of Shannon and, um, like, Taller Ghost Walt. (laughs) Taller Ghost Walt! (laughs) I feel like every time, you know, there's a whole conversation about every time we see Walt, if if it is Walt or if it's, like... The man in black. uh, It's not the man. Oh, no, he can't possess, right. Yeah, he can't possess people who are alive. So it's either actually Walt and he has, like, powers or it's Jacob. And I think I've always kind of leaned toward it being Jacob, but... But, like, why would Jacob do it? Uh, yeah, it's, like, yeah. hard. you kind of have to figure it out every single time it happens. Like, the circumstances are different and you have to decide then, you know? It's like, yes, Walt I- learned to astral project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to, to, to give an answer to this. Uh, or if it's if it's unclear on purpose that we we can interpret it the way we want, but it mm-hmm. would maybe it would make sense for it to be Jacob just just because Jacob is so amoral, like he mm-hmm. he doesn't act because he has beliefs and ideals. He just he wants to reach his objectives, and so it's a bit every everyone is a bit like a pawn for him. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past him to make Walt appear so that Chan could be killed and something else yeah. could happen and then Saeed could be filled with revenge or something. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, I really don't like Jacob. Never liked him. He's supposed to be the good guy. He's supposed to be the good he one. He never but both feels of them, like the good guy. But both of them are bad in their own way. And it's like you can't even tell which one is worse, even though MIB is obviously supposed to be worse, which is interesting. But then you learn MIB MIB's backstory and how Jacob like basically kept him trapped for years and years. And you're like, okay, I can understand why you're a miserable person. Sure, but then like all the things that you're willing to do afterwards, it's just like I still... Yeah, like, he's still a bad dude, but you're like, I understand your motives for being miserable more than Jacob's for being just a manipulative dick. Yeah, exactly. No, Jacob is just bad. Not because anything happened to him it's just because he thinks that everything is owed owed to him exactly and it's like oh my god like really everything that he does is it's it's so difficult to explain because i think it's he's so out of reality that for him it Mm -hmm. makes sense so you really need to get into the mind of somebody that uh doesn't care about specific people but they care about destiny and uh, how things are supposed to go and uh, the life of the island Uh, and it's so difficult to see because then you see all these people and you're like okay yes but you're killing people literally so that you can at some point have somebody that guards your island or something Uh, i don't know I, I really dislike him. Right. He he can't die, so his stakes are so low. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, why is the island more important important than these people's lives? Like yeah. Exactly. At some point you start to have to you have to start asking the hard questions, which I think was like the whole point of making it Hurley. Yeah. Was he was never gonna do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I like the moment in the in the finale when Ben says, like, that's the way that Jacob did it, but 
maybe somebody else can make the can make different rules. Exactly. And it's clear that everything was better after that. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start wrapping it up. But if anybody has any last thoughts, then let's do it. Let's see. I'm thinking, no, just because you mentioned Ben and Jacob, uh, I am so confused by that whole thing. I, I wanted to rewatch Lost <laughs> recently, but then both Prime Video and Netflix decided to take it down because... I guess they hate oh. me. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's probably it. That is so <laughs> mean. That that's probably the reason. Uh, no, it's. I I really want to go back to to, to understanding the relationship between Ben and Jacob because uh, it's so it undermines a bit Ben's story in a way. The fact that he's that there's always Jacob behind things. Um, yeah. But also you need Jacob because you need this type of force to be in an island to to be on a magic yeah. island. Otherwise, there is really no explanation for what happens. But if you say okay, there are two forces in life, and that is why also there is this weird there are this weird couple of characters that always clash uh, it's because in a way they're representing the, the the duality that is in the island that are these two forces yes. always clashing with each other but yeah uh, anyway that is something for later seasons because yeah. we really don't see much of jacob until season three is it there's a little of him yeah yeah, yeah. that's when they start talking about him that's when they start yeah. talking about him yeah and that's when we get richard so yeah. yeah. I'm excited to have him. Yeah, he's amazing. Okay. Alice, any last thoughts? No, I remember very little after the point where I have got up to my rewatch, which is a, yeah. little, a little bit into season four. So I'm like, I occasionally get an episode yeah. and I'm like, oh, I remember this happening. And I remember a few plot points, but the overall story, I kind of, a lot of the time, don't really know where it's going. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I remember there being time travel at some point. That's good. Sometimes a character will show up and I'm like, oh, great, this person. <laughs> Daniel Faraday showed up in my rewatch and I was very excited. But aside from that, an angel. <laughs> like, I don't know who you are, but I love you. I'm excited Aww. to continue reading your live tweets. They're delightful. He's so sweet. That's my son. Yeah. But season two is kind of a, it's like an overall thing. It's a little bit forgettable in the, the grand scheme of things, except for yeah. them. Like in terms of what actually happens, especially since the Tailies yeah. are introduced and then all killed off by the beginning of season three when Echo dies. Right. It's like the only thing that really happens in season two is Ben is introduced. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Ben right. is my garbage yeah. son. And then like Desmond at the end yeah, blowing like, up the hatch and then revealing that he was the, crashed the plane as yeah. well. Yeah. Ben and Desmond make it worth it. Yeah. There's maybe like three episodes of actual plot content <laughs> involved. Yeah. Exactly. You. Pro I wonder if you could skip from the first one to the final two and not miss anything. I would not recommend that. <laughs> but I wonder if you could. I definitely don't think that's true. I feel like I just offended Robin on like a psychological <laughs> level. They, they just, they bring back so many things that you would still be so confused. I don't think you should do that. You would miss okay. a lot of flashbacks as well, to be fair. There's a lot of actually important backstory here. Yeah. True. You wouldn't understand. You would miss out on Desmond, Brittany. Yeah. I just said I wonder. I didn't say whether I was right. <laughs> Once again, Angela and Alice, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to have you guys on the pod again in the future. Yay. Thank you. I'm excited to get a question, fun fact of the day, whatever it is, because we don't get one with a round table, which I only realized when we did the intro. Ah. Would you like to do one? I mean, I don't know if you can think of one. <laughs> well, uh, well, I think we've done this one before, but like, what's your guys' favorite season of Lost? Let's do that one. And we can say that because now we're in the spoiler <laughs> section. We can do that. My favorite season... I always say season three, but I think season three, like as an arc is like kind like, okay. But there are pieces of it 
that are like gems. You know what I mean? Like we get the first Ben episode, we get yeah. the first Juliet episode. Like um, Expose is in season three. Like there are so <laughs> many like little pieces. Oh, Trisha Tanaka is dead is also like amazing <laughs> in season three. So I like I would say that like season three has the most like episodes that I love in it. But I think as an arc, probably season five is my favorite. I am in agreement. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything to add. I like that season too. Right. Well, I'm going to say season three for mine just because it introduces a lot of my favorite characters. And I think it, it kind of yeah. it properly introduces a lot of characters who have technically been introduced in season two, like Ben and like Desmond, but you only really get to know them in season right. three. So you've got like, you've got them and then you've yes. got like Juliet as well. And you've got, yeah, Richard Alpert coming in. So yeah, so season three, just purely for character reasons. Yeah. To me, it's season one. Uh, I think I think it works so perfectly and everything really fits. And uh, I I am it's possible that if I rewatch season three now, I would love season three the same because of all the new pieces that that we get. But right. I don't know, when I when I think back on the whole show, to me everything started in season one, meaning that it was so well um constructed that really it's uh, in in that sense is the best one but who knows upon rewatches it would change my mind yeah. yeah um can you guys tell us one more time where we can follow you on twitter or wherever <laughs> yeah so you, you can follow me on twitter at uh irl writers blog uh and it's on private but you can ask to uh, follow me and i will say yes <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Alice underscore V underscore Smith. And I do actually, I should have said before, I do tweet about Lost quite a lot on there, if that's something you're interested in, because I am doing a rewatch <laughs> and I do tweet every episode I watch again. Alice's Twitter is annoyingly funny, considering she barely literally just, started just got Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I got it like a year ago, maybe. Every time I read a tweet, I'm like, I'm literally, every time I read one of your tweets, I'm like, that is so f***ing funny. Every day I get emails. I'm, every day I get emails. <laughs> I stole that from Tumblr. That is not a tweet by me. I know it's not yours, but we associate it with you and say it every single day. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you can follow us at, at the aficionados like most places. Um, and like we said before, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados if you feel so inclined and would like to have these podcasts a week in advance because I can promise that. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. 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 Starbucks.